Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is from the Old Testament. I want to hear, read again verses 30 and 31 as wisdom speaks. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Uh, I always liked comic strips, and one of my favorites down through the years has been Family Circus. It's always got a kind of a fun little thing. And, and one of my favorites were when always when Billy was wandering. Did you ever see the comic strip where Billy is wandering all over the place? One of the classics has Billy starting out with his grandma and says, How about we take a shortcut through the park? And it shows Billy in the park going over to the playground, seeing a couple people playing frisbee, looking at petting a dog, seeing a man planting a tree, wandering over to where a lady is planting or feeding the birds, climbing over a statue, stopping at the water fountain, going through a puddle of mud, climbing over a statue, swinging around a light pole, and finally catches up with her grandmother. And his path goes all the way like this, and grandma's path goes straight along the path. And grandma at the end says, remember, the shortest distance home is a straight line, Billy. And he says, yes, but the least interesting too. And, and there's some truth to that. And then the reason that I like that is, is it shows the joy and the delight of a little boy in, in what he finds delightful. And isn't that interesting when we think about it? What, what is it that, that children find delightful? A little boy or a little girl? What, what is it that they delight in? And there's a lesson in there for us. And I like that because I thought about that as we heard today in the Old Testament lesson. Because we heard God speaking. Wisdom is the personification of God. It's, it's, it's the word of God speaking. And he speaks about the delight. And it's interesting as you read through the first part of it, he's witnessing creation of the Father. And here we have the second person that's delighting in the creation. And then there's a beautiful delight in the way that he, he extends the sea only so far but no farther. Creates the, the world around and the beauty. And we can stand in awe of that, right? Because we understand the delight in the world. But it's striking when we get at the end. When it really says what the world Lord delights in. And it's important for us to hear it. Because shouldn't we, as God's people, delight in what the Lord, the Lord delights in? And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what is it that, that the Lord delights in? And do we delight in it? And how might we delight in that which the Lord finds delight? Again, as I said, wisdom speaks and delights in creation, delights in the Lord. And it speaks about the, the, the joy over creation. But at the end, that's not what the Lord delights in. If you listen carefully to, to what the scripture said, it says, rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of man. Scripture tells us the Lord's true delight is you. It's, it's creation, but people in creation. The pinnacle of his creation, man in the place in creation. And the scripture is, is clear that the Lord delights in creation. And we can understand that beauty, right? That the delight in creation, we have that. Who hasn't stood in awe at a beautiful sunrise or a wonderful sunset? The other day there started to rain and you immediately look for the rainbow, right? We, we like the beauty of God's creation. But again, the delight of the Lord is not the creation, 
but the children of man. So is that what you delight in? Do you delight in people? That's really what it's saying here. That our true delight is to be people because that's who the Lord delights in. The Lord delights in his people. But isn't that where the problem is? Because are people really your delight? It's real easy to delight in creation, right? We delight in the mountains if we go there. We delight in the sunset, as I said. If you go to the Grand Canyon or you go to the coast or you go on a trail, you you see the beauty of God's creation. We delight in creation, and, and that's good. But don't we also delight in our own creations, our own possessions? We delight in the creation around us, but we delight in created things, too. Just take a phone. Don't we delight in those? You have any question about how much people delight in it? Just look at how much time they spend staring at it, right? How often don't we find ourselves drawn to that screen? And how many times have you seen throughout a day someone staring at the screen with people all around them as almost oblivious to those who are there? We delight in the creation. And it's real easy to pick on cell phones and social media, but this is nothing new. I can remember when Heidi and I started dating and early in the marriage, Heidi found out rather quickly if she wanted my attention when we were out, she had to pick a restaurant that didn't have any TVs. Because anything on a screen would immediately draw my attention. We're so easily distracted. Whether it's electronics or something else, but even down through our history, haven't we seen people so caught up in possessions. We see wars made over pieces of land. Families are divided over money or inheritance. How many times haven't we seen in the people in our community, maybe even in our family, that a dispute, a disagreement, even words tossed over things? It's real easy for us to get caught up in our finding our joy and our delight in created things. Why is that? Why don't we delight in people? Why don't we find our delight in all the people around us? I think there's a simple reason. People are difficult. Are they not? People are difficult to delight in. If we think about our relationships, you know know people in your life, they make mistakes, right? They do things that that, that you don't agree with or, or do not like, things that frustrate you. Some of their mistakes affect you. Who hasn't been hurt by people? Even people whom they love. People are difficult to find delight in. And there's a reason for that. Is people are sinners. We're all sinners. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And so that's important to keep in mind. Because as a sinner, when you think about those things that frustrate you about the difficult people around you, do you ever think those people see those things in you? That they might be frustrated with you because of your sinfulness? It's real easy to see the other one as the difficult person. It's, it's their problem. If they would just do what I would like them to do, things would be really easy. But how is it easy is it to see it in ourselves? To see that we're the difficult people at times. You see, all of this, delighting in God's people, delighting in that which God delights in, goes against our nature. It's it's not easy. And yet, with all this said, the triune God 
delights in people. He delights in you. He rejoices in this inhabited world. The reason he rejoices in creation is because we are part of that creation. He delights in the children of man. And the scripture is full of passages that remind us how much the Lord delights in us. It speaks about the Lord, the Father, being pleased to punish the Son. Think about that for a moment. Pleased to punish the Son. Why? Because he knows in punishing the Son he could spare his people. That's how much the Lord delights in you. We're told that Jesus went to the cross with joy. Isn't that an astounding thought? But he did it with joy because he knew that this ultimate sacrifice would set you free as he paid for your sins. And that in his resurrection he would offer you light, life. He brought, that was joyful to him. That brought delight to his heart. And that joy is described in all of creation. And we think about the, the joy that God took in the creation of the world, especially as brought out by our Old Testament lesson. That was just a precursor to the joy that he would have in saving this world. Think about the joy that he had in making it, but the joy in having saved it, redeemed it, and giving life to his people. And the Lord continues to rejoice and delight in you. The Father delights in you. The evidence of his delight in you is the way that he made you, the gifts that he has given you, the personality that has placed upon you, the gifts, the, the talents that he has graciously bestowed upon you. He delights in you. The Son delights in you. He delights in redeeming you. And we see that in his willingness to go to the cross just for you, just so that you would be saved, so that you would have salvation, so that you would have your sins forgiven. And the Holy Spirit delights in you in bringing you faith and, and sustaining that faith. We can see that delight in the way that he comes to you again and again and again and again. He absolutely delights in you in his word and sacrament. And this is the beginning of our way of delighting in others. It's when we first understand that the Lord could delight in us who are difficult, that we begin to understand that we can delight in others. Because as we see the Lord's delight in us, we are reminded of the Lord's delight in those around us. And the beautiful thing about this is that as we delight in those around us, our, our attitude toward them changes. As we recognize that the Lord delights in those around us, even those that we might seem difficult, we realize that the Lord has chosen them. That personality that person has, the Lord has blessed them with. The gifts and talents they have, the Lord has bestowed upon them. They are a loved child of God. And we also are called to love them. And as we view them that way, our attitude then changes. And the more we see others as God's creation, we see less the difficulties in their lives. The more we see them as God sees them, we push aside those other attitudes. The more that we love them, the more that we receive the Lord's love, the more that we will recognize them as truly children of God. See, the Lord is at work in doing this. It all begins with him. It begins in recognizing that this God he delights in us, who delights in all of his people, and that together we delight in him and his love. As we're focused on him, the others around us are also become our delight because we're all together delighting in the Lord. Again, the Lord delights in you. Trinity Sunday is a wonderful day to remember this. Because I said at the, end of the beginning of the service 
that the idea of, of focusing on a teaching can sometimes seem informal and, and distance, or formal and distance. But, but really, Solomon reminds us that the teaching of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is anything but distant. That the God has revealed himself in a very intimate way to you. He's revealed himself as a father who delights in creating you and giving you gifts and talents. You have a son who delights in you and bringing you life and salvation. Who would he given up, given up, even give up his life for you? That the Holy Spirit delights in giving you his love, his peace, and the faith to cling and trust in him. Can there be anything more personal than to reveal yourself to someone else? That's exactly what the triune God does to you. You have a triune God, a personal God, who delights in you now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith to life everlasting. Amen.